May the force be with you. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Naganago Megoche Chesekom Aki or Dekots Nagotine Siku. Hi, I'm Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the opposed US Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Benai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chinookee, Bears Paw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare People, also called the Great Bear Lake Tribe in Treaty 11. I'm native to Turtle Island, and my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area of Pinchotinne Indahe um, in Satu Dene, meaning many horse town or even big dog horse town. Yeah, no, big dog town. There we go. Uh, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, another English name, which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act, which is a colonial uh, construct by Canadian policy meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the LGBTQ2 community and Indigenous women are on the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, imposed gendered violence, and land theft. I acknowledge all First Nations, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with government signing on your behalf. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a time of so-called reconciliation. It's important that your land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all people to introduce themselves with their acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner Canadian citizen, a refugee, or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nation's name, won't say your story of origin, acknowledge stolen lands, imposed economic oppression, or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. As a Dene woman who attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, traveled to them just to vote on incomplete drug policies and policies that allow incarceration and denial of justice, denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have work to do. Um, you know, reports to advocate for and attempt to work in these systems meant to harm me and my community. Um, I know that my community is dying from current drug policies, health issues, um, the systems imposed by Canadian um, drug policies, abstinence programming, private health care, justice systems built on racism, land theft, and imposed British constructs, continuing genocide on Indigenous people. I think of them today and every day. I want to honour their lives. The day before red dress and red ribbon uh, shirt day, I want you to all see your role in the importance of stopping harm as a citizen and see your role in reconciliation. I honor the Blackfoot 
as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to say my name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn my proper pronunciation. Thanks a lot, Canada. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible on any of the things we speak about today. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my journey as I walk this red road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. Also, go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So with that intro, I want to say thank you, Julie, for coming to my show. Would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Sure. Um, thanks, Michelle. Um, uh, my name uh, is, and I'm just so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here with you, Michelle, today. My name is Julie Herdlicka, and I am uh, an implementation coach for the Youth Hubs Alberta Initiative um, through CMHA Alberta. I use the pronouns she and her, and I live on the traditional lands of Treaty 7. I'm aware of many of the historical injustices that have occurred on this land against the First Peoples and their ancestors due to colonization. Still today, First Nation, Métis, Inuit, their children, grandchildren, and many others in our society continue to be oppressed and unheard. I come into our time together with ears for listening, a mouth for speaking truth, eyes to bear witness, hands for action, and an open heart to understand others in the name of truth and reconciliation. Oh, that's um, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I just greatly appreciate your introduction. And, um, you know, every time that I I listen to you, um, Michelle, and, 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 and I'm around you, I'm just inspired to learn more and understand and also to, to build my own confidence as a settler on the land to, you know, be courageous in, in um, you know, uh, creating space for everybody and not just a space that's comfortable for, for me um, and what I've grown up in, but to go bigger and, 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 and be better at creating a space for, for everybody. So just really appreciative of that. Yeah, well, you know, it's so hard to do. And trying to make that space is important. Like um, right now we're, I'm just figuring out closed captioning. I've, I've thought I had this option and I thought people could do it. And then I thought YouTube translated it and it just, nothing is easy for folks with disabilities and as an able-bodied person, it sucks. And then, you know, I screw up all the time with the black community and you know, like it, it's constant, right? So we all have to work at it and we have to acknowledge our privileges and such. And like, uh, so yesterday, sorry, we we're totally going off topic. So yesterday was the first game one of the Stanley Cup, the Stanley Cup run. And because my daughter, she, you know, wasn't even born in 2004, this was like her first kind of experience, right? So we, I took her down to the parking lot and uh, they had like a huge party going on and it was wow. mainly kids. You, it, it's supposed to be family, but you know, it's mainly drunk 20 year olds, right? <laughs> and teenagers. So 
anyway, she was there and uh, we were, we were there and, you know, I was talking to this guy who's so kind and sweet and you're like, are you her mom? I'm like, yes, I'm her mom. I didn't want to embarrass her. Right. And then, uh, you know, she goes to me later. She's like, you know, they were a gay couple. Right. And I'm like, oh, I just assumed they were roommates. And it's like an ongoing joke. In our Mom's going to assume they're roommates. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the influences right like it's yeah. that privilege because like when I was growing up we had this absolutely lesbian butch um uh gym instructor and I hated the way everybody made fun of her I hated it it just burned me and I was like she's probably not even a lesbian and she's like so clearly a freaking lesbian <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until like grade 10 that I found out oh this is her roommate <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. See, she's not a lesbian. She's just a roommate. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's crazy, ongoing. right? It's ongoing, it's, right? It's and ongoing. The community somehow tolerates me. And my, <laughs> like, I'm just hoping. So my daughter's 14, right? So I'm hoping she'll just kind of take over here so yeah. shortly. <laughs> and I, I think it's so interesting, though, but the, but people can see the intention. And I think that that's it trying to learn, trying and, and the love and the compassion and that, you know, um, and then having people, if people do feel uncomfortable with something that they can tell you. And I think that that, and that we can listen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's the beauty of, you know, no one's trying to hurt anyone here. This is just about, right. Let's, let's remind each other why we're here on this planet together and that we, being respectful and by, by actually telling you, you know, um, that, you know what, this is important to me that you use pronouns or that man, that's a real form of respect. That person must really value you and to take it like that rather than, um, you know, that, that there's something wrong with you. Well, you can't know everything. Right. And even if you're like you said, even if you've been told it a million times, like and now it's just kind of funny. Now it's kind of like we're, you know, but but it's one of those things we got to give ourselves breaks and we got to know that people it, this is about loving compassion. And um, and also, like, if you're disrespectful and you're kind of a, you know, inappropriate, it's just Apologize. not OK. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's not OK. And, and, um, but, but it's, but we're in this really, we're in this wild place right now where our, um, we're in the middle of a revolution. It's yeah. happening. I hope so. And yeah. people are, people, courage is happening at levels. I, I would see those um, folks that have been oppressed. It's just, we're done. We are done. And it is as, as a, a white settler woman, um, I am so inspired by it. I, there's moments I'm terrified by it because it's so scary and I don't know how to respond. And I clutch on to those feelings of, of privilege sure. and I do it myself. I run to that, but I also find the courage and I'm finding more courage just to say, tell me what's going on. Sure, sure. And, and you know, honestly, that was the basis of our friendship because I felt that with you. I remember yeah. when you had first read that book, White Fragility, and we had a conversation about it, you know, and, and that meant the world to me because at least you were trying, you were one of the few public servants who were like, 
hey, call to action 57 is a thing. I'm going to read a book. Like I, we're in conservative Calgary, right? Mm-hmm. Like the most mm-hmm. of the school trustees on those boards are like, that's the stepping stone to becoming either a federal or um, provincial conservative, right? In, in our politics, that, that's what it is. We are the heart of it. So mm-hmm. these are really like, I, I, so I, just for demographics, it turns out that I'm, we're just Al- Alberta, Ontario, Alberta, Ontario for my, for my listeners. So like, sometimes I don't think the folks out East have any concept of how conservative it is out here, right? They make fun of us, but they don't yeah. know what a hellhole it can be actually mm-hmm. to have, you know, a conservative mayor, conservative school trustees, conservative uh, MLAs and conservative MPs, because then where do I go? Where do I fit, right? I don't, I have nowhere to go. So, you know, I, I think it's really courageous to talk about these things because that we are in the heart of denialism when it comes to uh, any of this truth and reconciliation, right? So that's why it's so important that you read that book and that you're open and you're honest and you're trying, you know, my hope is that other settlers who are willing to walk that journey with you, right? Like we have the settlers book club so that I don't have to put up with so much settler fragility um, as I have to in my book club, right? But in my book club, Indigenous Voices Speak First, but obviously like non-natives need to talk about their fragility. They need to figure this out. There's a new documentary that just came out and it's called uh, Deconstruct- Deconstructing Karen. And I-, I haven't seen it. I can't wait to see it. You and I should like watch it, throw popcorn and then like deconstruct it like a two weeks later or something, right? Like, holy cow, right? Because even for me, I know everybody's like, white fragility is the worst book because it's written by a white woman. And I'm like, yeah, it is, but it's still opened my eyes, right? Like it still helped me see. So as long as it's helping, because like, again, we're in conservative Calgary, like the obvious right in front of you sometimes isn't obvious, right? It's like, I, I have my Sandra Bullock, um, you know, uh, blindfold on going like this. <laughs> totally. totally. And I, I think that's one of the things that what, you know, what we really, like I'm working on being, is being open. I can criticize things till the cows come home, but everybody's different and everybody responds to things differently. So there could be a book that we can criticize because it was written by a white woman. But for me as a white woman, that helped transform my life into opening up uh, even a better understanding of, w- you know, what life is like for um, for people who do, do not have the same privileges and why I react and respond the way I do um, when things are happening. Yeah. So with that awareness, for me, with that awareness, I'm reacting right now to this situation. I can feel it inside. Sure. It's happening. Okay. So just let it pass. And you know, I'm just going to say, Julie, it's really important for Indigenous people who have been raised in this white supremacist world to not write off this book too, for a a million reasons. One, it helped me find the language to talk about what was happening Mm -hmm. to me. Two, it helps you see it from other people. It's not fun when you see your white father being reflected in this book. It's not fun times. Uh, or maybe a brother or other family member you deeply, deeply love. But it's really important. And it's really important so that you can survive this world because 
like I'm so done with us as Indigenous people with this internalized self-hate. I'm so done with it. You know, like I don't have time for that. I, I, I need to learn my language. I need to, you know, have my daughter feel valuable for being, uh, you know, a little queer native in conservative Calgary. Like it, this, this world is not meant for us the way they constructed it. So at least this way, you know, these books are really important to deal with that internalized oppression and to also then name the oppression happening at us. And when we get labeled angry, it's because somebody's fragility is being projected onto us because our racial human value dignity has been pole vaulted over for a boundary, right? We need to really name it. And um, that was where I learned about the term racial battle fatigue. And she quoted who, who, who the professors that came from in the States and I called them and I talked to them and I said, as a native woman, like, I want to use this terminology. Are you comfortable with that? And he was like, my sister, yes, because <laughs> you out of all people. And so it was really, it was, it was really um, empowering as an indigenous person to read a book like this to help name this the stuff that's happening to me all the yeah. time and be and, and feel empowered mm -hmm. to say this is wrong so when you say it's a revolution like it's just coming from inside me like julie i remember in grade 10 i had um so i grew up in sylvan lake and it, it's like the worst place uh, homophobia blah 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 all that stuff uh dina henshaw and i like literally know each other because we grew up together so this place, like I commonly said a really awful anti-Jewish slur, not even knowing that's what it was. And it took my, um, you know, friend calling me out and me being like, oh, I've never really thought of it that way for me to stop saying it. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, I just, I never want you to feel alone on this journey because as indigenous people raised in white supremacy, we are raised to be shitty too, <laughs> you know, because of this construct that was imposed on us, right? And then, of course, we're dealing with our own internalized trauma because and, and intergenerational trauma because of Canada. So that, like, there's so much, so many barriers, and we haven't even lived a life yet, right? So, well, and you think of, and then as women, mm -hmm. right? On top of that, right? Yep. There's, there's these, like you say, you talk about these social constructs that we're we're living in and how we have to. Um, behave and, um, you know, like an angry woman, right? Um, mm -hmm. For speaking her mind, she's emotional and she's, you know, um, unstable. Um, but when a man does it, it's acceptable and he's, you know, respected. And and it, it reminds me, you know, we were sharing stories today and it just reminds me of, um, you know, the story of my great grandmother coming from um, Yugoslavia um, and um, she was 15 years old and uh, she lived in a, um, a small little village and with her mom and she had six brothers and sisters and they lived in just a little shack. Her mom and her slept on the kitchen floor. That was their bed uh, where they, they slept. And um, two of her brothers had gone to the States um, and and left and they were working in the states but they were she continued to be in that um in that village she was 15 and a half and she was um promised to a soldier to marry a soldier when he came back from um uh being um uh away and uh her brothers 
thought, you know, we want to bring her over to the States. Um, and so they bought her uh, a ticket uh, um, to come. And so she did not want to leave. And she, uh, but her brothers, they said, you have to come here. So she felt the pressure. And um, for two weeks, she cried for two weeks. Her, you know, her tears just dominated, um, you know, her, it was her ability to express herself to the point where um, she was on the train to go to the, uh, the harbor where the boat was. And um, her tears were so bad, her eyes were all infected. She, you know, all, all the, um, the blood vessels in her face, like she just looked a mess. And so when she went, um, got off the train and she went to the boat and gave her ticket to the boat captain, he just said, you need to go to the hospital you're not coming on this boat. And, you know, he could have said it because she looked really sickly and he, she didn't, he didn't want to get anybody on the boat sick. Um, he could have said it um, because he was really concerned about her. Uh, and uh, she ended up turning around, getting back on the um, train and going home. But she had a ticket for the Titanic. And so that, um, you know, that, that story for me is super powerful um uh you know she this is a woman who um again was being told that she needed to leave and predominantly by men she needed to leave and brothers who probably cared about her of course they cared they wanted a better life with her she was living in extreme poverty and um a war was war drums were starting to beat in europe at the time um uh, but you know her strength was in her tears Right, it really was, they told her story. And that by telling her story, people had to listen. Like her voice wasn't working, but when they saw her body and the state of her body, they responded and it saved her life. And it's such a powerful story reminder for me. And even more powerful for that was a year later, she had to find the courage to go again. And um, at that time she had a, uh, she was so nervous about going that a gentleman, um, uh, they organized a family friend to go on the train with her and to go over to the States on the boat with her because she was so nervous. Well, on the train ride there, um, the gentleman was beaten by a group of thugs, I guess, and he was murdered um, on the train. And in the end, she had to get on the boat by herself um, and make her way to the States. And I just, I think about the amount of courage um, that that woman had um, in order to just, just do what was best for her um, as, a, as a woman in that time where, I mean, she had no voice, uh, but yeah, it just, it reminds me of the strength of women and the strength of tears. And I say that because for me, Tears have always been a big part of my life. My ability to be compassionate and empathetic, I'm realizing now is such a strength. And as I look back at her, it really saved her life. And it's something that I'm, you know, coming to terms with. It's a really, it's a really important strength that helps me connect with people mm -hmm. is through my compassion. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, I think, you know, maybe not to that extreme, but it's also saved my life. In, in activism and being able to find community 
um, and, and connecting with people that are struggling from all sorts of, uh, through that compassion. Mm -hmm. So my, my, my grandma Katie is always in my heart and always um, someone that when I think of strength, I think of her and um, she's, she's why I'm, I'm still here today, right? Like I'm, I'm even here. In our world where we, you know, acknowledge our ancestors all the time. Like I'm, I'm a big believer that you and I aren't alone right now. I'm a big believer they're mm. with us right now. So um, you told me part of that story and I just freaking lost it because I'm insane about the Titanic and the Empress of Ireland. But, um, you know, you never told me the second part of that where when she did finally come, she, her escort was, was murdered. And I, you know, I, I try to tell settlers, like, I wish they could get over their fragility and just tell us their story because like the intention of treaty was to share the land. The intention of treaty was to share. And then everybody gets displaced sometimes. And I hate colonial boundaries and, and the ridiculousness of the paperwork. And I could go on for a whole episode on that. But at the end of the day, if settlers were honest about why they came, you know, and just told their story, then we would just share. We would just share and see each other equally and work together. But it, it's not, the system's not designed that way. And then white fragility and white supremacy has taught settlers not to be open and honest about their story of origins. So then we don't know each other. And, um, you know, and, and then there becomes this really awkward, awful conversation that happens all across the country. Where are you from? No, like, where are you really from? And especially people of color get really hurt and offended by that. But as an indigenous person, like that's our way. And we introduce ourselves and we tell our story of, of origin and we do the land acknowledgement and people are like, <clears throat> I'm uh, Julie and I have a master's degree. And it's like, okay, that, that didn't tell us nothing about you, right? So my, I, I changed up my intro a little bit recently to try to like re-emphasize the points. And, you know, like people talk about wanting truth and reconciliation, but they can't even be honest about who they are and the land they're on, right? So how do we even start a conversation about reconciliation, right? I mean, we have a whole institution not making change on like stupid shit, like Johnny McDonald school, let alone bringing in real indigenous education and, and seeing people as equal. I had a school trustee to my face, uh, like, on, and it's on video, it's for everybody to see. She's like, well, you know, this will take decades. And she just totally brushed off what we were doing. And I'm like, you cow, <laughs> you fucking cow. I was so angry. I'm still hurt by it. I'm still hurt that in 2022, in a time of reconciliation, in, in a person in privilege, a person of a position of power who gets paid to be there has no problem whatsoever saying that. Like the oppression dynamics in this city are so ridiculous so obvious yet mm -hmm. so blind to it with folks so anyway i just really hope that you know people heard that story well one a titanic story is always worth hearing but two maybe they learn something about trying to understand who they are and where they come from but you know i know we also wanted to talk about some other cool stuff you're working on julie so do you want to talk a bit about that too oh i'd love to there's so yeah. much i want to talk to talk sure. about but i'm you know and today right is um you know, May 4th, it's uh, May the 4th be with you. Um, and I know my my little one went off to school, both with her Star Wars shirt and um, also her cap on today. 
because um, it's also hats on for mental health day. And um, so that kind of, uh, you know, when I was at the board, I was a CBE trustee for six and a half years. And, um, you know, democracy is about voting in people with diverse backgrounds, with, with diverse opinions. And, um, uh, you know, it's supposed to be uh, certainly in Calgary, um, you know, there, you know, um, diversity was, was uh, in regards, it was just, you know, predominantly um, Caucasians, but people coming from different perspectives to some degree. Um, but I, I would say um, one of the most, with my first board, one of the most beautiful things that I experienced was everybody on that board believed in public education. And when you sit at the table and you've got to make decisions for kids and you've got to sit down and make decisions um, based on what's best for kids, we would sit down for hours and hours and hours and hours. And even though I might not have agreed I, I appreciated and valued the conversation. And, and at, in the end, I could live with it. The majority of the time when you talk that out and you hear all the different perspectives, you'd hear all that, it is the most beautiful thing when you can seeing democracy like that in action. I, I honestly, and there were days I was, I was, I, I was, would be pissed off at my colleagues and I would be angry at them because I didn't, dis, didn't agree with them but it was democracy in action because I felt heard. I felt that we talked through everything and that I could understand where they were coming from. And um, that didn't mean I was always happy with the results, but there was great respect. And, and for me, that is what democracy is. With the second board, it was very different. And so, um, but uh, with the second board, there were definitely political intentions and uh, it was really um, priorities uh, uh, that were, were not in line with uh, supporting public education. But, but for me as a trustee, I came in and my priority was creating an environment where kids felt like they could be kids. They could be themselves because every kid is different and every kid needs, um, needs people there that will be their biggest freaking cheerleader and that will support them and, and, what, and, and help guide them. And so for me, that that was a priority. And now, now that I'm done being a trustee and the work that I'm doing um, uh, in the Alberta, um, with uh, the Alberta Youth Hubs Initiative, um, I'm, I'm able to really be back on the ground where my heart is because for many years, I, you know, 20 years prior to being a trustee, I was an activist um, on working on many different issues. But now with this initiative, really what we're trying to do with young people in rural communities and rural, rural communities themselves is really empower them around child's youth's mental health and well-being. What's happened is we have very much professionalized mental health to the point where, you know, um, when your kid is, is showing some signs of depression or anxiety, um, the first thing we do as parents is we panic and we need a counselor, a psychiatrist. That's what our kids need. And our systems are set up that way that that is in many cases, that's how it works. Even though we don't have enough, <laughs> we're finding to support our kids, but we still live in this kind of, we need an expert to save our kids. We need an expert. Um, 
And hey, that's a part of it. Some some youth, some adults, absolutely. And and and, and in different parts of your life, I think it's great to go talk to someone. It's I've had to do it. I think most many people have had that opportunity. Um, uh, but to to make it the the only answer is sometimes um, I hear from a lot of parents that that that's the only thing that they can do for their kid. This initiative is really about, okay, in these small communities, kids are being challenged, especially after COVID, mental health. We are in a mental health crisis for young people, but for, for all of us. And so kids, really what we need to do as um, different sectors, so whether it's um, the social sector, the health sector, or mental health, we need to be working together to break down barriers for, for young people. So um, what this initiative is about is in each community, um, you have a steering committee of uh, representatives from grassroots, from um, different organizations. Uh, it could be AHS, it could be, um, uh, uh, you know, like McMahon, uh, organizations that come together and they create kind of, it's a steering committee um, and it's a flat committee. So. The idea is we don't have any hierarchy. Um, it is flat and everybody plays a role in creating this hub. And um, so they all have programs and initiatives, all these organizations. So what they do is they basically have all these programs and they work to build other partners within the community. And um, they have staff. So they have a navigator that goes out and meets with kids and connects with kids in all sorts of ways, whether it's at school or in community, or they might have a location, like an actual hub that kids come into and can just relax, hang out together. Um, but it's a place for kids to start sharing what's going on. And once they do, then that navigator or coordinator says, you know what, you know, you're really interested in basketball. I can see that from our discussion. I know you're going through some anxiety. It kind of feels like you have that, but you know, every three weeks or every week on Wednesday, um, we, there's a pickup basketball game, three on three basketball game over at the old Y and it's Wednesday. Do, do you want to go check it out? Let's go see what's going on. And so we might walk over there together, check it out and see, mm -hmm. or there's a great creative writing class that's online. I know that you're kind of nervous about being around people, um, you know, in a group, but you really love creative writing. Would online be okay? Do you want to maybe check this out with me and we could, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and so that child might be dealing with bits bouts of depression or anxiety, but really how does that child start to look at themselves in a different way? Like I have strengths. I have things that I really like to do right. that are healing for me. And so the idea of the hub is really, we've got a buffet of all these things that are happening in the community. Yeah. And I'm gonna sit down and talk to this young person kind of through the first visit or the 10th visit. Hey, like you wanna talk today? Great, you don't wanna talk? That's fine too. Go hang out with the rest of the crew that's in the hub and you guys read together or you know, play a game together, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's no pressure. Yeah. You're just, you know, we, we want to connect with you. You matter to us. Yep. And so, and then, but then like with your healing or what's going on, let's connect you with things that you love, not things that we think as adults, yeah. you need to know Yeah. that you need because we're experts. Yep. 
right? But but for some kids, they do need psychiatrists too. Mm -hmm. So that could take four months. So we could help set you up um, uh, with an appointment or send you to someone who can get an appointment, but what are you gonna do for those four months? Mm -hmm. Those kids are gonna sit and stir. They don't know what to do. So during that time, let's get you engaged. Let's so, get Julie, you to that I want to point. ask you yeah. a bit about that. Um, so, you know, um, democracy works for white people, no question. And, and I'm happy that you felt hurt. But ultimately, there was no Indigenous people there. And for this particular programming, like uh, Indigenous kids are, you know, having a severe, like, again, call to action 57 is for all public servants. So I'm just wondering, like, what is your organization doing? for anti-racism and Indigenous kids so that that way they can access the service? Is it even like even um, like locally or nationally? Because you are talking to a national audience as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say uh, we it is a work in progress. So we're working through the TRC ourselves mm -hmm. and um, we are trying to, um, so we have, there's, a, there's 11 hubs yeah. Eight of them are um, not on nation and three are on nation. Good. And so what we are doing um, with our, um, those folks on nation um, or not on nation, on, for all of them, it really is about the community leading. Okay, first off that, and I didn't really talk about that. It's sure. not about me coming in and saying, this is what you need to do. It's yeah. about community based on your resources. You know your community. Um, this is about kids first. Kids are kids are guiding this. They're telling you what they need, and here's the ideas for you to create it around them. So I would say, um, you know, that's a big part of it is listening to young people. Um, and um, I mean, it is critical because that is the way that they're going to heal, and it should be for them. So around the TRC, um, we are. Uh, doing work to um, to understand what our role in this um, is as a is a, a team in community. Mm -hmm. And it really is understanding where community's at, right? That's what what I learned as a trustee is there is times where you have to meet people where they're at. When you shove things down their throat, just like if someone tries to shove something down my throat, I'm not going to swallow it. Right. And, but at the same time, you got to find that dance, right? You got to find that way to still push and gently push yeah. and keep pushing. And that's building relationships. And that's building trust because the more that you have a good relationship with people and they trust you, they're going to listen to what you say. And then they're going to take that in. This is hard work. This is long-term. And through reconciliation, there's some communities that are much farther along and that they've got inclusive policies. And they have, um, when you come in, for instance, into the hub, you have a young person comes in and they make their own, they have like um, uh, label makers or um, what is it, um, button makers. And they make their own buttons with their name and, and um, pronouns on them for instance, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, we're all based on the communities that folks are in, trying to, um, you know, 
create that inclusiveness as much as we can. Mm -hmm. We're also reaching out to, um, you know, folks, uh, people from the Indigenous communities, elders, um, uh, just people with lived experience sharing with us what they want to see. We do youth surveys um, from, uh, you know, uh, youth for all over, but including Indigenous youth to hear from them. Um, and uh, we're utilizing other resources like um, uh, um, the MNA, the Métis, um, uh, oh my goodness. I Nation of Alberta, yeah. Nation of Alberta, thank you very much. And the work they do with youth, incredible stuff that they've, during COVID, that um, they've pivoted online to do great interactions with young people and learning from that and talking to them about it. And they've come in and talked to our coordinators about the work that they're doing. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, um, reconciliation, and we live it every day on our team. Okay. We are having really tough conversations with each other um, and really empowering each other to, it's not about it's calling you out, but it's also, it's, it's not with, with love. Yeah. It's like bringing it to light. Like that doesn't make sense for me. Yeah. And we're having people call it calling it in, right? Calling it in. That's yeah. what it is. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. That's exactly calling it in. And also that we're building relationships with our hubs. And I would say all of our hubs, including our hubs on nation that are calling us in. Yeah, that's great. And so they're calling us in on one thing, which is really great. They're saying, so this is a, an initiative that is funded by the Alberta government. And like any initiative, um, what's really cool about this one is we have um, all this stuff happening in community, but alongside us, we also have a research institute that's doing, um, they're doing uh, evaluation of the project beside mm -hmm. us. That never happens when you get a grant. So um, uh, they are evaluating what we're doing in the project. And um, Indigenous, um, the nations are saying, that doesn't work for us. No, it doesn't. We have OCAP as our guiding principles. Free education. No, I should just put a, a thing that says free education for everybody. Bing, 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 bing. Um, basically, so First Nation, um, First Nation Information Governance uh, Center, they have OCAP principles that help with folks so that we're not being studied at. Um, and they, they're the ones who kind of help guide when it comes to studies so that there's OCAP means uh, ownership, control, access, and possession of the data, right? Because if a white person in, um, looks at Indigenous people, it's like, oh, they're dysfunctional. Whereas an Indigenous person lens goes through it and it's like, oh, colonialism has caused this dysfunction, right? So it, it's totally said differently based off of whose lens it's looking through, right? So that that's unfortunately why we've had to kind of organize these kind of things because we've had 150 years of you know, white genocidal studies from eugenics is saying, oh, these people are inferior. And it's like, oh, so your, your, you know, contribution to genocide is not it's just totally overlooked, right? Like, it's like Hitler and the Nazis are specifically writing these studies. It's like, oh, we're just so superior. And it's like, yeah. no, <laughs> that's not, that's, that's not. And now we're in an issue of climate change. And now white people are going, oh, maybe we should listen to the natives a bit. <laughs> <laughs> right so like that's that's colonialism and that you know white supremacist superiority right so it, it's yeah. it's so hard because i and and one other thing i wanted to just kind of address quickly is that 
it's all nation land. It's just, what is it? Eight out of the three are stolen. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that terminology, right? Cause we're all on yeah. indigenous land and it's not by Thanks, choice Michelle. that we're where we're at, right? So. Thanks, Michelle. That's, yeah, no, that's I appreciate that. That's such a good point. That's <laughs> such a good, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, um, and, and you're right. And and I, I think, you know, you know, I, you know, for me, for a long time, knowing evaluation and knowing, you know, is not appropriate um, for different um, communities, uh, different groups. What's cool about this project is, you know, um, the indigenous folks are saying it's not, it's not, it's not working. Yeah. And so we've just said, all right, so what do we do about it? So we're having nations gathering, we're having indigenous gathering this week to hear from uh, different indigenous folks about what works, what, yeah. what, what do we wanna see? What do, when we talk about evaluating um, around youth mental health, what do you wanna know? So you can go in your community and be able to support youth in, in your community. And I would say, the evaluation around it in general for non-Indigenous youth too is not helping our kids. Yeah. So, so how do we look at these evaluations? And I know that looking to like OCAP and looking to other, um, you know, there's there's other um, researchers and experts that are doing this stuff. We're looking at that piece too. So I think this is again, um, this is so freaking refreshing um, that we're where we have the ability to, to hear the voices on the ground that are being impacted by the work that we're doing. Because we know with youth mental health, what we're doing right now is not working, right? What, what's happening right now is just getting, our youth are telling us what's wrong. We're not yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> we're not listening. They are clearly, they're so articulate and brilliant. Yeah. And they are, I mean, they're extraordinary. Yeah. We just like to hear it how we want to hear it. Yeah. And because we're scared, because we don't know. We think we don't know. But honestly, like this project is really getting for young people to get back to who let's let's figure out who you are. And let's embrace that. Let's empower you to yeah. say, you know what? I I I'm starting, you know, I'm going through a really difficult time with my family. They're getting my parents are getting divorced. I'm struggling. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't, I have no grounding. I'm really scared. Yeah. And just to be able to say, my God, of course you're scared. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. Right. Just having someone to come talk to. But you know what? We're here. You've yeah. got a place to come to. And you know what? You've got these great strengths. So tapping into those strengths. And it could also be maybe a questionnaire when they're really struggling, like suicide. We know young people you know, um, are having thoughts and, um, but you know what too? There's some normalcy around that. When you feel so broken and afraid, it's not something we should be afraid of. And I might, this might be controversial for people. I don't know, but for me, it's not something to be afraid of. Having people around you and telling them that that's how you're feeling. It's okay. You have it's actually courageous. You. It totally a friend, is. Um, a friend, like an adult, call me yesterday and say, mm -hmm. you know, I'm actually an addict. 
And I said, well, I wish you knew how brave and courageous I think you are for telling me, especially in a world that stigmatizes talking about your feelings. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's out there listening, I hope you know that when you talk about your feelings, you are showing bravery and courageousness as opposed to societal conservative values of, uh, you know, don't talk about these things, cut mental health services, you know, privatize it if you can make money. <laughs> abstinence, abstinence. <laughs> well, I know, right? And none of that, you know, quite honestly, that's, we've been trying to do that stuff and it's not, it's just not working. It's not but working. it's back to colonialism, right? Like it's yeah. a, it's a back to like this idea, this individualism, this, uh, you know, this idea that everyone can do it on their own um, and splitting up nations and communities that um, are strong yeah. and we're, they're to be feared, I think, in many ways because they're so strong and powerful yeah. and because they're full of healing and connection. And so, uh, I mean, uh, that's what we're trying to get back to with his project is but it's hard because you're fighting systems, systems yes. that have been set up. And you know this, Michelle, and yes. these systems that, you know, it's just, it's second nature. It's what you do. Yes. And even people with good intentions, like even with us, we have to give ourselves, you know, check on ourselves all the time. Yeah. Because are we following back into, falling back into that, that system? Because yeah. we're so, so ingrained in us. Yes. And that's why it's important for us to have people around us that keep calling us in sure. and just reminding us, right? And yeah. um, and um, working on being really brave. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, we have to work with government. We have to, you know, we have to find a way to um, work with government. Because one of the other things, so if I look at the project itself, Youth, um, uh, Youth Hub Alberta, is so we have the youth on the ground and then that are telling us look, this is what I need in my community. Um, I need a counselor, right? I can't access one. Or um, they need beating classes. Or, and so on the ground, those, um, those groups, uh, uh, community groups, maybe they can offer programming mm -hmm. to support, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they can't. So then I'm a coach and I coach those steering committees and the staff um, to kind of stay in line with the project to remember what, what we're trying to do because the project itself is turning the system on its head and I'll be able to share a little bit more about that. But um, so I'm supporting community as they move along their path, but they're really guiding the way, they're in charge. I'm just mm -hmm. there to support. Yep. And so if um, the community can't solve that barrier for that young person, they bring it up to our provincial group. And so we say, okay, are there other resources out there that could help this community? Um, can we provide professional development? Like, what can we do? Mm -hmm. And then um, it goes to, there is a level, it's called the POC, and they're, they're all bureaucrats from the different, um, uh, different sectors. Mm -hmm. So AHS and health and so forth are there. And so their role, and this is the really cool part of it, their role is not to, you know, not to govern. Their role is to hear what's happening on the ground and to get rid of the barriers. Mm -hmm. So that's their job. So when we think about government, um, what a great idea for government <laughs> to work that way, right? There's barriers on the ground for young people, like a young person, when they come to somebody to come to the hub, um, 
what we're trying to do is they tell their story one time. They're not having to go to agency to agency to agency to agency and tell their story over and over and over again. For some kids, that can be traumatizing. No, it and is traumatizing telling it once. And honestly, I know those kids did tell their story more than once. That's, and I, you know, like, I'm, all I'm thinking is in my head of the amount of times I've watched our youth, Indigenous youth speaking at committees, speaking at conventions, how many reports are out there? You know, I think yep. of the Office of the Child and Youth Advocate, every yep. report that goes out there telling these goddamn stories and having yep. government be like, Totally. You know, and, and you know, that I honestly, I don't believe in government the way you do. I, I see they're out to kill us and destroy us because it's so clear that's their agenda with their barriers, right? Like yeah. they get to keep their jobs and make, you know, six figures and the rest of us are in abject poverty yeah. and they get to make money off of our stories and our, and grants and all of this. And it's disgusting. So um, anyway, I, I can I can't I can believe see. how quick the time has gone by already. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. So I was just wondering, um, yeah, first of all, you're always welcome back. But second of all, is there anything else that you actually you, you want to put out in this uh this podcast? Because uh, first of all, for folks, when you turn a little like this, we can see your hat without a reflection and it says spam. <laughs> I've seen that beaded. <laughs> have you yeah yeah that's awesome yeah for sure and and so the campaign is hats off it's hats on for hats mental on. health okay. yeah and uh it's really you know you know i i think you know anytime that we can start talking about you know and create an opportunity to talk about people's health and well-being i think we need to do it i think uh you know of course, we can look at, you know, corporate interest and in having these kind of days and all these kind of things. We can look at that. But I think I think we're, we're realizing more and more that um, talking about mental health and and wellness is just critical. It's critical in order to understand and to stop. And I'll, quite honestly, we are seeing a lot of young people hurting themselves. Because they don't, they feel there's so much shame that these yeah. young people are going through for all sorts of reasons, right? And um, Michelle, you talk about them all the time, all the things that you talk about with Indigenous youth, you know, that they're going through and, and non-Indigenous youth and youth from other cultures, they're going through these things and they don't have people to talk to. Yeah. They have people who talk at them. Yeah. So for today, you know, really, and, and every day, reminding ourselves that these young people um, are extraordinary. They're extraordinary. Our young people are extraordinary. We should be cheerleading them yeah. and standing by them and guiding them. And I know it's scary for adults and parents. I know it can be scary, but you gotta, we gotta work to believe in, in our kids and yeah. believe in ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard, it's very difficult, but it, it's the path forward. And, um, you know, you'll be surprised when you start talking about it or talk how many other people are going through it too. Yeah. And I mean, again, Michelle, that's what you, you bring to this discussion often is you, by you talking about it, you're creating the space for others to feel like they're not alone. Oh, and okay. so I think that that is just, it's so, because it is, some of the stuff is so painful and so difficult and so scary when we talk about you know, experiences that you've had as a kid and how they live out in your life today. And when you experience a lot of stress that comes up 
and how that can, those experiences as a kid manifest itself. And it's, it can be terrifying. And, uh, you know, I, so it's very, we, we really need to show compassion and empathy for one another. And today is a great, a great time to do that. Yeah. Like every day. I'm so happy you came on. Um, for me, it, you know, just indigenous are living a post-apocalyptic state here, but then folks like yourself who come from colonized countries, war-torn countries, they're living a post-apocalyptic state as well when they have to transfer to a whole new land in order to exist, right? I just wish we all respected and honored that treaties, well, the treaties, and, and just were able to work together better instead of coming from such a place of oppression dynamics. So my hope is that whether youth or settlers or non-settlers or, or indigenous, like I, I wish they felt heard. And I, I hope that we start creating more spaces for them to be heard. And, you know, they're the most important demographic. And, and I think Julie and I, like um, growing up, like you and I, we never had these stupid devices. Like this thing is just going off and off and off. Right. And I, I'm just like, these kids, they live this now. And 24 hours news cycle. Do you remember when we, we were excited for Sunday at six on Disney CBC? That was it. That was, that was like our, our one time we might get a Star Wars movie, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas these kids have Netflix. They can stream whatever they want, whenever they want. Although they don't even do that. That's old people's uh, software because the kids are all on YouTube, right? Yeah. So it, I, we it's have hard. such a huge world difference and views of everything and I, mm -hmm. I i hope that our generation we're in this like position of power of being in control of nonprofits, being in control of government all of these things like seeing the world from their their world um it's really stupid but we went door knocking in one of our communities and you know it's completely barbed wire up on the roof and i said it looks like a prison and they were like yeah but you know maybe it'll prevent a kid from jumping and it's like well first of all we shouldn't be putting our kids in prison and two we should be stopping the very thing that's causing them to want to jump off the roof um you know, as opposed to it being you know we we just make prison style institutions for them to so-called learn and like it's just everything we do is like the wrong thing that we're doing and i just hope if there's anyone like you don't listen to this like just old white women listen to this and and some natives right so i just wish to our demographic all listening right now that we've seen the power that we wield and that we we let the kids lead a bit right so anyway even i struggle with that just another mom struggling right oh yeah oh yeah and it's it's so it's so difficult to, as a as a you know seeing your kids in this environment and and they have they're being watched right like all the time they're they've got to be perfect yeah they've got to be perfect we don't have like polaroids of what we did when we were 14 no. even 19 for that matter um no. you know whereas they have it on record all the time every yeah. everything they're doing um yeah. anyway there's so much to talk about god i yeah, want to talk yeah, to you about everything thanks julie thank you michelle this was awesome it was really oh. great and uh i appreciate it and i'll come back anytime I, I feel like we got really deep into conversation and and uh i hope everyone was able to follow along and um, get a piece of something out of that but i'd love to come back anytime right and pleasure. you are welcome to come back anytime so please don't hesitate to come back anytime and you know um we'll, we'll keep going maybe we'll do monthly check-in i don't know or TikToks. I, that's again 
how do we connect with the youth what are we doing doing this we should be doing tiktoks <laughs> that'd be fun that'd be so i'm up for it right for it. we yeah. should totally do that and, and then yeah. that gives us an excuse to have coffee or something together or well i guess we can do duets or stitches as well so these are things we'll have to think about to try to reach these youth. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Sounds awesome. amazing. Hey, thanks. Well, thanks, um, so one last thing, I just, is there any uh, websites or um, hashtags that people should be looking at so that they can follow what you're doing today with hats on for mental health? Well, you know, it's happening. It's happening everywhere. You know, uh, I know they're happening within the schools and, um, uh, if you just, I, I'm sure, hats, hashtag hats on for mental health, you'll be able to find find it. I know at the CBE, they would do it every year. Um, so uh, it's just a, you know, um, it's such an important thing to, to be supporting and thinking about. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Julie. Uh, tomorrow Thanks. is red dress and red shirt day for missing and murdered indigenous peoples. Um, you know, we want to honor our two spirit. We want to honor our men because a lot of gendered violence is just gendered violence at the end of the day. And it, tomorrow is a really hard day. And especially for our youth who have, may have lost a mother, an auntie, an uncle, a brother to uh, violence. So I, I want folks to um, try to figure out in their areas where the local indigenous community is having their events. And if you're in Calgary, like Julie and I, um, you know, Deb Green and Bear Clan are putting together uh, an event that's going to be down by on Memorial Drive right off of Center Street where those uh, white crosses are during Remembrance Day, because that was where parts of Joey English was found. And um, that's, that's where the ceremony was last year. They're doing it this year as well. Uh, that's where the red ribbons are going up. So if there's a way that you can honor people tomorrow, please do but also support your local indigenous communities. Consider um, you know, donating to the Bear Clan Patrol or um, other indigenous groups in your, your area. I really love Awutan Healing Lodge and Yusei as alternatives as well. And, and maybe um, I'll just, because Julie's on here talking about youth mental health, I can't say enough good things about Yusei through this entire pandemic. Um, being there for my daughter, uh, they would actually provide meals if they had to do online stuff. And um, honestly, just an outstanding organization. So, you know, find your local Indigenous youth programming and find youth. <laughs> here's, here's the catch, white people. Listen to Indigenous voices. Are they amplifying said organization? Because lots of white organizations promote their white committees and their white board members and their white nonprofits that are so-called for Indigenous youth. But if you don't hear Indigenous families actually talking about the importance of them, then they're, they're just for white people to feel good patting themselves on the back. So folks, that's your homework. Again, education moment 101. <laughs> Anyway, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training or cultural first aid and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Uh, thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Alicia Fritkin, or, uh, and Chelsea Branch for heretohelp.bc.ca for what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work, along with those cultural action tools, I've said hundreds of times in my podcast, so please support 
indigenous work like that <clears throat> as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to repeat them and highlight them here. Mm -hmm. Internalized oppression was something we actually really touched on in this uh, particular one. Um, but you can find that there's a really great one at racialequitytools.org of what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. Um, American Friends Service Committee has a great uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention, so AFSC.org. And if you're in Alberta and you see or experience racism, you can actually report it to acttoendracism.ca or text at 587-507-3838. Um, Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, committees, and public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded, no more honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms if they don't recognize marginalized in their budgets with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs, services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants and immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to actions, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, multiple reports about child welfare reform that just seem to go in one ear and out the other, uh, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Denying all these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, justice, health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from our election platforms and politicians if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, et cetera. They have zero business running. They should be understood by all parties, politicians, local um, community organizations, sports clubs, nonprofits. Uh, really great article out there is how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. And since I started saying that way back in a long time ago there's tons of more articles so you know hopefully you can get something out of them if you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we were talking about today and want to talk you can call the first nation and inuit hope for wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310 they also have a website at hopeforwellness.ca where you have a text option on there uh, for missing and murdered indigenous women girls and two-spirit there's 844-413 6649. And if you're non-Indigenous, uh, there's 24-7 crisis lines in your areas, usually a functioning 211 and uh, distress center lines. So it, if you're looking for another one, 833-456-4566. Uh, if you're in Alberta, there's a 60 Scoops Indigenous Society of Alberta, ssisa.ca. And, you know, the Trevor project is now actually under uh, fire and this is one I've been giving in all of my podcasts. This is really important uh, resources for all of the LGBTQ2 plus community or community. Uh, Lifevoice.ca crisis supports. They have trans lifelines, peer support, all sorts of things. So please support them too. Another organization that you could um, give money to. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, Speak Freely, without interruption, home police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions. As many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, sure want to tell us theirs, usually by people who don't understand us. 
microaggressions, internalized racism, uh, gatekeepers, people who survive off the status quo, internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. But I do want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots, and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian is through her. I am a second generation proud Calgarian. But uh, if you are non-Indigenous, I strongly recommend you don't call yourself a native Calgarian because I will ask you every time what nation you're from. And um, it's really just wrong to appropriate a name like that. This is, uh, you know, if you're non-native, you have no right to call yourself native here, especially on stolen land, racist. Thank you, Darcy, for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, and my support down the journey of the Red Road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is that my family will be proud of us in the future trying to talk about these present day issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching, can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Although I would prefer you paid me because I did my taxes and it's pretty hurtful. <laughs> I also have a YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe. And I, honestly, I'm not asking for free money. I'm asking for money that I might have earned by teaching you something or coming to your organization to do a teaching. Anyway, I know you're all not ready for that truth. Uh, nativecalgarian.com is where you can go or I have social media that you can go to go to my YouTube channel and I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits you're lucky I'm not tradish and my beautiful cousin would respond or you'd be in my dish thank you for listening <laughs>